Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, official show of uthdynasty.com. Encourage everybody, subscribers alike, if you did not catch the two live shows. We got Thursday night, Friday night, as usual, first three rounds of the NFL draft, about eight hours of discussion with Katie Flower there. We got Jordan McNamara, Tim Torch, and myself. A lot of talk, a lot of instant reactions there to the, the two nights that were. And then over the weekend, I go into the data cave, the bubble, if you will, getting out the draft guide. Katie Flower helps with that every single year. And I was able to get out that post-draft update uh, late on Sunday. And then now we've got a ton of content already out. I think I pushed through strategy sessions for each of the skill positions going into your rookie draft. A lot of thoughts and ideas where we've got some stabilized ADP. Not sure if we'd have that at this early stage. People said it was going to be chaos. We say that every year until you start to see a lot of trends develop in the first 10, 20, 30 drafts. You start seeing you're like, oh, more of the same, more of the same. 90% of the results, you're seeing some pretty tight windows for most players. And you can start to develop a plan of action to dominate your leagues. And that's what it's all about with UTH content, the draft guide, as well as those strategy session shows you can now find as a premium podcast subscriber over there. So Katie, we are going to talk the draft and you were in and out. Uh, you were traveling, doing a bunch of different stuff, moving and shaking as you commonly do to close last week. So we haven't really had a chance to sit down. This is what I always call in podcasting, the easiest show of the year, right after the NFL draft, you can talk about anything and everything. So we have that all at our disposal. And I guess I'll just open it up because we didn't talk over the weekend. Did anything stand out for, for you from day three? That's more picks than we saw in the first two nights. Did something, whether it was a player going undrafted, something that occurred through the skill positions on the last four rounds for you? Not really. Just that I won the uh, over-under for the Justin Ross. I said day three. He was actually beyond day three. And uh, so I'm kind of not really necessarily happy, but you know, honored for that. And um, also to to blend the the de- a good reminder about Devi, right? I mean, both of us talk Devi draft and, and Devi players and strategy all the time. Talk about Justin Ross, the medical condition with his with his neck and going all the way to undrafted. Let's see if you know things work out with him in Kansas City. But obviously, the medical, not the talent, is one of the biggest things that caused his fall. And he was a potential first round pick, uh, rewind the clock, what, 24, 36 months at most freshman phenom there at Clemson. Who knows how he would have done uh, without those medical conditions and maybe with stronger quarterback play to close out. But man, uh, you know, he's one that, like you just said, a wide range of outcomes uh, when you look back at his early Debbie lifeline there. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited to get into the meat and the bones of what we're going to talk about. It's been fun having the Having the uh, UTH rewind and going back from the 2013 class all the way up through a 2023 mock, uh, some glaring things. I knew the 2022 class was weak. 
I knew the quarterback class and running back. That's the strength generally for fantasy. If you've got super flex, you got strong quarterbacks and strong running backs. It's considered a good class. There is some depth at wide receiver, definitely a lot of wide receivers in round one, et cetera, but let's, let's just hit it, man. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I think the the quarterback class is going to be one of those known differences. That's a professional segue by Katie right there because we saw a quarterback class that plummeted. Uh, Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers at 20, but a lot of people had that mocked as QB2. Well, we had nothing in the first 19 picks. And then we saw probably the drop of, of the entire position heard around the world. You had Malik Willis going round three. He wasn't even the second quarterback off the board. You had Desmond Ritter in that zone. You also had Matt Corral. I don't think anyone had that. You could say it's not a good class, but everyone was mocked in the top 45 or 50, even if they didn't go the first round. So I think one of my first big stories and takeaways from the NFL draft for dynasty owners is going to be how do you really feel about quarterback positional value-wise? Because you're going to go into your two quarterback and your super flex drafts, and you're going to see a price point or a positional need for yourself. And you've got to make some business decisions because Pickett's going to cost you a first rounder. Malik Willis might go late in the first round. You're going to get those other quarterbacks going in the second round. And that pedigree to me is a tough pill to swallow. We just saw the big drop historically rare for how little quarterbacks were valued in this NFL draft. And I think that and how you approach it with, oh, I'm dying at quarterback. We get these questions all the time, Katie, about, oh, they, they almost list their roster and want us to kind of validate. It's okay. It's okay. You need this position. Go ahead. Take the lesser player. It's all right. They're like baiting us into that answer. And so I don't even look at their roster. You're asking me about this player in this zone of the draft. Who else is available? Let's answer that before we start talking about how weak or strong you are at a certain position. Absolutely. The NFL made it unequivocally very loud and clear how they feel about this particular class of quarterbacks. And guys like Sam Howell, who were the number one quarterback in Debbie for three years, really. Uh, he was right up there with Spencer Rattler. It was him and one and two. I think that Spencer Rattler can still rebound for next year, but Sam Howell just tanked by new, no real fault of his own. And if you look at the NFL, the grade that they had on these guys, Malik Willis at 6.41 had the highest grade of all the quarterbacks. 6.41 says that within two years, there'll be a good starter. That's the grade that Malik Willis got. And 6.41, Matt Corral, 6.4, Kenny Pickett, 6.4. So at the 20th overall pick, Pittsburgh took a guy that they expect within two years to be the starter, but they're going to force him into the starting role yeah. more than likely. I mean, it could be Mitch Trubisky. And if it is, then that's smart. They're going to be absolutely stupid if they force Kenny Pickett into the starting role. He's not ready. The NFL has said that. No, I mean, he's not ready. Even Patrick Mahomes, who was a much higher draft pick a few years ago, needed that year of sitting and learning behind Alex Smith, and that helped him tons. Kenny Pickett's stats are not that good. He's on the older side. I want absolutely nothing to do with any of these guys. I've already started a few rookie drafts. Kenny Pickett's still going 103. 102-103. Malik Willis is still going in the mid to late first. 
that's way freaking it's like too the, much. It's like the draft never happened. Some people right. have been like that total recall, just buzzer that like you forget everything. You're like, hi, I'm Todd. And you just like, don't even know what's happening, you know, exactly. previous into life. But you never draft rookies for me. I, I don't want that in our vocabulary. You and I have said this millions of times. You draft best player available and you trade for need. If you need a quarterback, by all means, trade for it. Somebody else is going to be willing to move up. They want whatever they want. Well, that's There's the biggest thing. Juicy- Can't you trade that first round pick for, I mean, Kirk Cousins or better? Derek right. Carr. I mean, if you want to fix quarterback, a rookie quarterback typically isn't going to be a guy that finds your lineup a lot, a guy that you have trust, a guy that has the nuances of the position. Get a guy in the later 20s, 30s in terms of positional experience in the NFL. And I know Cousins and Carr and some of these options are not super sexy. You might be able to aim even higher. I mean, imagine if you got Tom Brady plus for the pick uh, that's going to get you Kenny Pickett. So again, that's not. There's not one way to do this, but th- there's just so many ideas to say. I want to fix quarterback. The utility knife can be that pick, but it doesn't have to be drafting the quarterback. That has, doesn't have to be the rookie fix. And, and yeah, I, I just the Sam Howell one when a lot of people are talking him up, like, "Well, oh, this is a guy that not too long ago was being discussed as maybe the best quarterback in the draft." You have to reassess. You can still exactly. say you can still say he has a really intriguing and good profile for a day three quarterback. Because now the new reality is that's what he is. He's a day three quarterback. And my goodness, to think that he's gonna all of a sudden a day three quarterback is gonna just push aside Taylor Heineke, who actually looked decent as a starter last year. They brought in Carson Wentz. Sam Howell is officially buried, and yet yeah. people are taking him sometimes late second, early third of a super flex draft with good viable players that can have a role this year. We don't even know if Sam Howell can be the backup. Let's not assume that. And I, a numbers guy, say Sam Howell is officially interesting. You know where I thought he was interesting? If he was a top 50 pick. That's when I thought he was going to be really interesting. QB five off the board. But he was QB five off the board, I believe. And that was in round five. He had the fifth... uh, highest draft grade, but 6.22, it was his draft grade. And 6.22 is in the range of good backup. Category uh, carries though. Here's I mean, a we clipboard. Just, yeah. Here's a clipboard, dude. Right. You're fighting with Taylor Heineke. Don't, don't you, I don't even want the Carson Wentz name in your mouth. You're, you're two hurdles away from there. You've got to yep. make this team. You got to make the team first, my friend, like day three quarterbacks, this whole like, oh, Kirk Cousins happens all the time. And Dak Prescott happens all the time. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Tom Brady happened once. Just please stop. So the the biggest part, the biggest problem I have is the first three, four guys. Sam Howell is the cheapest of these. Thank goodness. So by deductive reasoning, if you have to take one, he's the best bet because why? At least he's cheap. These first round picks on these guys it blows my mind. Pickett's not an overly mobile guy. How's he getting home? How's he going to be a top five, top 10 fantasy option? That's the thing I want to know is... Well, and Mitch Trubisky was a first round pick and he has struggled. And so he's going to have more as a reclamation project than uh, Kenny Pickett ever will. Desmond Ritter is behind Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota was the 102 in his draft class. And again, you're trying to tell me that Desmond Ritter, you're already burying Marcus Mariota like he's dead and gone. People are taking Malik Willis, already believing that Ryan Tannehill 
This is his last season. Look at what happened with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo is still there. Still happening. Yes. So, and and people are anointing Trey Lance like he's already throwing the dirt on these guys, throwing dirt on Jared Goff and other quarterbacks as well. Tannehill's a good example. Like you just said, people are just like we want Malik. Okay, but but Tannehill has shown quite a bit in the NFL, especially the last couple of years. Be careful. Right. Be careful about anointing them. And and I'll just go back to the first thing I said to close up quarterback, which is, man, you got to get the team meat out of your mouth. You got to get it out of your head because in super flex and two quarterback is dangerous game. It's a dangerous game to throw pick after pick after pick at quarterback thinking you're fixing stuff because it ends up creating just as much need as when you started. You got to be very, very careful. You are still at whatever point you are still drafting best uh, best player and best asset available. I got a question for you, Chad. So does a high upside rushing quarterback that has all kinds of athleticism have a better chance of holding a clipboard or the guy that's just a pocket passer? Which guy can hold the clipboard better? Um, I would say that the mobile quarterback can definitely run the clipboard to the coach and then back, and then back to the spot where his helmet is is being heated in case it's needed later in the game. I would say he he will do that faster. Okay, so it might be worth your while to draft a guy as early as you can that's going to be a good clipboard holder. Yes. Well, okay. I don't know. Do you have points per clipboard holding? Is that a, <laughs> is that a, is that a, is that a format? Might be a new one. We might have just invented one. The last right. I checked, it was not. All right. The the, the uh, theme that I wanted to put out for running back to start the conversation is the idea of the day three elevated NFL starter. Because I wrote down three guys that they look different right now than they looked pre-draft. First one, Michael Carter. We already talked about how high risk he was. Guess what the Jets did? We want that guy. And that guy is Brees Hall. And that guy is early second. And that guy is running back one off the board. Sorry, Michael Carter ancillary role, injury away for you. Next, we have Elijah Mitchell. Cleanup procedure on his knee. That's knee surgery. Can we stop with this cleanup thing? It's a surgery. So what do they do? Well, they they have Trey Sermon from a year ago. I know. No one likes him. I got it. But he was still a day two pick. What do they do? Go right back to it. Tyrion Davis, uh, Davis Price. Day two pick of import. People should care about him a little bit. He has a profile and he was drafted as such. So Elijah Mitchell, Things just got a little more interesting. Two day two guys with more pedigree than you on the depth chart, and you're coming off a knee surgery. Next, Ramondre Stevenson. So looked pretty good, but guess what? Day three, you don't get a lot of allegiance. What did the Patriots do? Typical Patriot fashion. Let's go with Pierre Strong. Big time workout guy, small schooler. I have a couple concerns with him, but he's got some juice. And it's not like he's 190 pounds. Then what do they do? Draft one of my favorites, Kevin Harris. He might be the most talented guy on the whole roster. Sorry, Damian Harris. I really like you, but this is a contested type situation. Ramondre Stevenson, a lot of people thought he was going to take the job or be one of the best injury away guys in the whole NFL. Those are three guys that I just came up offhand that, you know, last week things looked a lot better than it looks today. So. I agree with you 100%. The NFL stands for not for long. And we have seen. Example after example after example. Trey Mason had a good season, and then they drafted Todd Gurley. And, you know, uh, Stacy, what's his name? Zach Stacy had a good year, and then they drafted. So Michael Carter 
had a good year, especially the second part of the year when he was looking healthy. But he was a day three running back, round four, pick two to the Jets. That is not a strong allegiance. As you mentioned, he's going to make a great backup, and he's going to get some time, and he is an injury away. But sorry, guys, Brees Hall is the dude. He has the pedigree, and he's got everything that you would want in a lead bell cow back. And I just want to remind folks, because that's a precursor and a look ahead to when we get to the season. And if someone like Damian Pierce, who a lot of people are pushing up because he landed in Houston, it's wide open. Let's see if Marlon Mack is healthy. Rex Burkhead can play. Let's not assume he's going to get the job. And if he gets the job, we could be right back in a Michael Carter type situation of talking about it for three months before they replace him. Zamir White didn't get day two. Isaiah Spiller, I like him, didn't get day two, fell a little bit. And I think you need to keep that in mind. What if Hassan Haskins you know, benefits from a, a Derek Henry, Henry injury? These are all guys that went in a zone of the draft where you might be like, oh, you know, or Tyler Algier. What if he ends up being the starter at a point in time for the Falcons? So these are the same types of situations of, of you know, that could be the next Ramondre Stevenson or Michael Carter or Elijah Mitchell. And just keep that in mind if they do pop off a little bit to say, what is the market worth? What can it bear? Because it's probably not for long, as you just said. And go back and listen to our 2023 mock draft and look at how many running backs are quality bell cow type guys that should land, even if not in the first round of the NFL draft, at least second round, which is still high pedigree. You look at the guys that are on that replacement, replace guys that Yes, I would much rather take a running back, a shot on running backs with my second and third round picks in rookie drafts rather than the wide receivers, the boom bust type guys. But with the caveat that not only are they possibly an injury away this year, but they could be buried as of next year. So the window, if they do flash, is a great time to sell for profit, which if you get them in the second or third or fourth round of your rookie draft, you've got profit in there. But if you try to move them up the board because of situation, which so many dynasty owners do, and it frustrates the heck out of me, if you move players to where you think because they've got a wide open depth depth chart and you like their landing spot, that's a sure sign, a good way to kill your team. Well, this year you can see it. Absolutely. We've got Isaiah Spiller. Oh, he's going to get touches right away there. Number two guy for the Chargers. What can go wrong? You know, he's going to be right there. Eckler's going to miss some time and boom, instant starter. He's going significantly higher than some of these other guys. Rashad, he's going higher than Rashad White. He's going higher than Brian Robinson. And you can explain away situations that's like, oh, this guy's blocked. You know, Zamir White going decently later than Isaiah Spiller. They went around the same spot in the NFL draft. In fact, Zamir White went higher. So I know things look ambiguous for one and clear cut for the other. But think in terms of gray, not in terms of black and white. Situation changes. One of these, look at, you know, look at what happened to Baltimore's depth chart a year ago. Oh, it's J.K. Dobbins and it's Gus Edwards and then it's, you know, some other guys. What happened? We we didn't even get to week one. We didn't even get to week one with those guys. So it's gonna happen again to a depth chart. Not predicting it's one of those, but it absolutely could be. 
running back is not for long. So, uh, you know, you kind of got to be flexible. And this this equation of like, oh, well, I need to pay 203 for Isaiah Spiller instead of 210 for Samir White. You might get a running back that's better than both of them by trading down from 203 to 210. So I think you need to have the proper perspective of, you know, is there a lot of allegiance here with the profile and the pedigree? And if the answer is no, be really sensitive to how much you're paying and potentially what other options you have within that draft and within that pick. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next one that I is come out of NFL draft, and this is actually a, a veteran one because at wide receiver, I said it's the big contract versus the rookie contract. The the proven player that we have AJ Brown, Marquise Brown, uh, huge names being moved. And it's a wide. The other part is it's a wide receiver arms race. So I thought Tennessee was a. This is a really interesting money ball thing, and it, it dives into dynasty a little bit. But you're talking about paying twenty five million dollars to AJ Brown, or they basically just trade him for the pick that becomes Traylon Burks, who's going to be about four million a year. So you compare four million to twenty five million, and you say. Uh, is there a 15% chance, 20% chance that Traylon Burks develops into an AJ Brown type player? That's the calculus right there. What can you do with $20 million a year for the foreseeable future? AJ Brown is firmly in his prime. He's not a 29, 30 year old where you're like, ah, he's not going to see the end of that contract in good shape, uh, you know, being worth 25 plus million. But I think it's an interesting calculus where wide receivers, we're seeing them very important for NFL teams. But the first rounders that are drafted for an affordable price for four plus years versus the Tyreek Hills, the Devontae Adams, there's teams on both sides of this in terms of cost. And it does apply to Dynasty where you're drafting guys in the first round. That's the pedigree. But then maybe you can trade that same pick for a Cooper Cup or a Devontae Adams or you know some of these guys that have been there, done that for quite a while. Yet, you know, they're 28, 29 years old. Yeah, I mean, you've got to look at each battle and pick your battles as as they come. Uh, AJ Brown is interesting because I I do I do think that Traylon Burks has the ability to win that wide receiver one job and be that that wide receiver one for that team for the foreseeable future, however long that may be. And I and I actually think that AJ Brown got a quarterback downgrade, which you know, fantasy wise, people like Jalen Hurts better than Ryan Tannehill, and I understand that Tannehill has come on strong the last couple years, so that's good to see. But Jalen Hurts is not a passer, and there's a lot more mouths to feed in Philadelphia with Devontae Smith and. Uh, Dallas Goddard and plus the running game, plus Jalen Hurts getting his own running game. That will be an interesting situation to see, but I understand why Philadelphia did it. They've hit and missed on wide receiver in the past couple of years. So why not shore that up? Tennessee, we'll see what it ends up for them. Their run first offense, but fantasy wise, I like the upside of both of those guys. I think two things for the Eagles. Number one, Devonte Smith was on a really nice path, you know, with what he did year one. And there was questions: Is he going to be a true alpha wide receiver or something like that? I think we kind of know the answer. But if you have the opportunity to get an AJ Brown, or some teams are going to take that, you know, regardless of what they have on their depth chart. And that might be more of a more of a statement about Jalen Rager, who they said was either on the block right. or we might cut him or who knows what happens. But 
now they have two certified quality wide receivers in those spots. I do wonder, this is a no excuses season. Jalen Hurts has to progress to a point that we frankly didn't see in college. And, you know, we're not going to, are we going to see it here in the NFL? So he's got to reverse the course. And if he does not, the Eagles look like a prime landing spot for either a veteran or they have multiple high leverage picks in next year's draft to say in a better class than we had this year, not hard to say that, of saying, look at the weapons we have here. And this is a lock and load, strong, surrounding, supporting cast there for a future quarterback if Jalen Hurts turns out. It doesn't, it doesn't elevate his play. And I think it's going to be a blurry line because I think there's multiple ways for the Eagles to play and maybe be successful. But Jalen Hurts, we still have plenty of passing questions. And I think that's the interesting uh, crossroads of saying, oh, well, they finished 10 and 7. You know, they're in the playoffs. Well, look what Jalen Hurts did. He was still a subpar passer. And they had to lean on the run game. You know, he didn't really uh, distribute like a point guard as he should within that offense with those weapons. And that's always the divide. Jalen Hurts, the fantasy starter. I'm excited to put him in my lineup versus will I put him in my lineup next year? So uh, we got through this offseason and we look like we're, you know, you're good to go in, in dynasty terms, putting him in your lineup this year. But what about next year? So I think that's the that's the key question, I think, with guys like him. And frankly, maybe to a little higher degree, but I still have questions about Kyler Murray, for example, in that same sort of vein. Is he going to be around for the long haul? And one quarterback, I, I'm going to say it's low stakes. It doesn't really matter that much. So you can replace quarterback a lot, a lot cheaper. But if you miss and miss by, oh, I think they're a top 10 guy. And two, three years from now, they're not, it's not that they retired. It's not that they're a 37, 40-year-old quarterback and they're just not part of your team anymore, then that's a pretty big matzo ball hanging out there that really affects the the core level of your team in a big spot. Yeah. And so with Marquise Brown, he ended up with his college quarterback. So they've got chemistry already. I think he did get a quarterback upgrade for sure. So I'm very, and now with the news, DeAndre Hopkins has a six week suspension that makes even more sense why they traded for Marquise Brown in the middle of the draft, but I'm liking it more and more. And I think that Marquise Brown's stock is shooting or pointing up. I don't know if it's shooting up, but it's pointing up. What do you think about Rashad Bateman uh, left there? You got Mark Andrews, who's the wide receiver one. Devin Duvernay should see a little, uh, if they don't do anything else, he is in a prime position. Reminder that he's got some good athleticism. He produced uh, at Texas and he was a day two pick. So he's been kind of simmering there in the backdrop that should have an elevated opportunity. But I think that we have Rashad Bateman as that key player in the crosshairs for that Baltimore passing game beyond uh, beyond Mark Andrews. Is he going to be one that he had an okay rookie year, a lot of up and down, but again, it's almost like Travis Kelsey monopolizing a lot of targets with Kansas City. The tight end is the wide receiver one. Do you think there's enough there with what Lamar Jackson can provide for Bateman to take a big step forward? Or is he someone that you'd rather cash out? I am all about the shoddy B. We got shoddy B. He's going to be in the house and he's going to be the wide receiver one for Baltimore. I think he is going to have a great season and then sell. One thing I would remind folks is if you're flip, I've seen a couple deals where it pretty much gets you wide receiver two or three within this class. So if you're resetting to a rookie this year, I would remind folks, so you're flipping a profile you liked that got round one pedigree a year ago to now resetting to another rookie, but you have a second year player. You have a player that 
obviously Baltimore has allegiance to, showed that he's not on the bus track a year ago. So when we talk about knowns versus unknowns, I would just remind folks, if you just want to deal and be like, oh, well, let me get Garrett Wilson instead. He went a little higher on the draft this year. Let me get uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, sorry, uh, let me get uh, Chris Olave. <laughs> that was actually a slip. Uh, get Chris Olave, or just again, someone in that mid first kind of range. I would just remind you that we know more about Rashad Bateman than we do about those others. And you really got to have uh, some allegiance to say that, oh, uh, you know, I, I strongly prefer this incoming rookie, almost said freshman, wide receiver in the NFL draft this year that was also around one pick when Bateman was all of those things and now entering a much more historically dense hit rate in year two and year three, you're accelerating the clock and saving time, I I believe. Because like you said, it's aligning that he's going to see a big uptick. Like you said, you can probably get to January and then reassess. Reassess how you feel at that point in time. All right. uh, One more at wide receiver here. And that is uh, I think you got to assess with so many in this class how you feel about the boom bust profile because they didn't get round one pedigree. We've got Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, Tyquan Thornton, Vellis Jones. They were all top 75 picks, Katie. And if you combined all of their production scores, it pretty much equals like a, a, a dominant wide receiver. If you put all of them together. So Patriots took one of them there in Tyquan Thornton, Alec Pierce goes to the Colts. You got Christian Watson going to that alluring spot with Green Bay. And then Vellis Jones going to another open spot, potentially open spot there with Chicago. The boom bust profile, Katie, it's real. And if, if you go day two, I've said before, based on the cost those guys typically have in rookie drafts, it's some of the riskiest bets you can make. I have been saying for a couple of years on this podcast that this class was going to be weak. Last year, I was advising, trade your picks, try to turn them into 23 first rounders, whatever you can do, get out of the draft before people really start to realize how weak the class is. Now everybody's realizing how weak the class is. However, the saving grace is I think you can still trade your picks while you're on the clock. You've got alluring guys like Christian freaking Watson with the dripping upside and athleticism, six foot four, going to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. That's juicy, but it's so dangerous because the dude has brick hands and fights the ball. I, I don't know that that marriage is going to be all that good between them, but you've got other guys that all have that boom bust profile that are alluring enough to somebody, you can still trade that pick either for a veteran that is a little underrated for whatever the reason. Maybe you could even make a package of a couple picks and get Rashad Bateman, who is you, still very underrated. Oh yeah. Can you believe can you believe the Packers passed on George Pickens for Christian Watson? I mean, no. these are these are just again we're just people from the outside. I get all this, but come on. Because I haven't heard anyone yet answer this question. If Christian Watson is such a dominant athletic force of nature, why didn't he dominate at the low-level competition known as North Dakota State? North Dakota State is like the Alabama. They're like the Alabama of, of what the, where they play. Give me a break. No, I, I don't disagree with you. So the, and seeing him and you're trading up for that. They're trading up for that. 
yeah, seeing him live at the Senior Bowl, I was I did not walk away impressed. They could have waited until the third the round and got got baby baby Devontae Adams and in, in uh, David Bell. Yeah, I mean, you could have got David Bell. You could have stayed where you were, and I don't know where they were where they were picking exactly, but they were really close to George Pickens. And I just, yeah. man, that's going to be the one. And frankly, I will say, I'm a little surprised Dynasty owners are not taking the bait as even more that the Green Bay wide receiver of choice, and then that it was, uh, you know, a, a guy that's a, a tall a tall deer, and yet he's only going late first in a lot of these drafts. I'm a little surprised he's not going earlier. It's still too high. That's a separate yes. conversation. Way, but way, just, way but the point is, if you said Green Bay and, and Kansas City are going to draft wide receivers and they're both generally going to be available late first, I'd be like, huh, I wonder who they drafted because I would have guessed higher. Right. Was my was, was our pre-draft dialogue there. But uh, but yeah, all these guys that, I mean, not productive at all. There's talk that, oh, well, uh, Tyquan Thornton, who, by the way, I mean, Greg Cosell does like him there for the Patriots. They do need a t- lid lifter. They do need someone to scrape safeties away. But we'll see how this plays out. Obviously, that has not been the position du jour of uh, the Patriots getting right in the draft, and especially with meaningful capital in recent years. Um, Katie. Tight Matt, Corral, Matt Not, Corral just went at 203 in a 12 team super flex. Well, they probably need He's a the quarterback. third quarterback already taken in this draft. And yeah. that's way too many at the 203. That's way yeah. too many. Exactly. Distraction players for sure. All right. So tight end, Katie. What uh what are some of your takeaways after the draft transpired there for us? No round one pedigree and not even high second. Uh I'm pretty much out on this class. There's a couple of really intriguing guys that if they go late, 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 and it's a tight end premium, I might take a shot on, especially if I've got a taxi squad. But I really do not feel comfortable at all, even as I like Trey McBride, but I think because if it's premium, he will be drafted, overdrafted, just like the quarterbacks. And he may develop. I'm not willing to bank that bet. And there's nobody behind him either. Guys like Greg Dolchich, you you took him completely off your board, in fact, after the draft. Um, so it's just, I want nothing to do with this tight end class at all. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is positional value and the time spent. Because if you're sitting in a one tight end league, the upside is what? You draft a rookie tight end, they likely don't produce. You sit in January and they might be near your cut line. And it's also that you have a possible potential squint your eye year two breakout player at a position that if you don't get home to the top five, six, seven, it really doesn't matter. That's where we are. So the time value of the roster spot is the biggest thing for me. Like you said, eliminating some some tight ends that were there pre-draft or two months ago on my big board and taking them off. I mean, we're talking Greg Dolchich is behind Albert Akwebenum, and he's on a team with a bunch of wide receivers, a good couple running backs, and maybe a team that doesn't throw the ball 650 times. What does that mean? You know, Trey McBride laying it behind Zach Ertz. Checks contract. He, he, he's probably locking that starting role in for a couple of years. So this could be a Martell... I, I keep going back to this. This could be a Martellus Bennett landing behind Jason Witten type situation of you're just kind of waiting. You're waiting, 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 and it doesn't mean he can't play. What it means is he's freaking blocked. And he, I, I just, you know, and, and they're a team 
that goes any any variety of directions. To think that they're going to funnel it, I mean, Zach Ertz is probably a low tight end one, and McBride has to play catch up to develop to be in that potential spot to be a low tight end one if Ertz were to miss time. So you have all these situations that A, slow moving position, B, what's the payoff if they actually so, show some promise as a rookie. So it really is more of a two tight end format class. But I think what you said about Trey McBride, he's going to go pretty early. He's, I've seen him go as high as 104, 105. He's probably going to go in the first round no matter what. It's a really ripe zone with other players, other positions. So you got to be pretty careful. And this is another team needs thing, right, Katie? It's the same thing as quarterback. You sit there in tight end. You're like, oh, it's too tight end. We got some premium scoring. And you're like, I'm dying at the position. That means at 106, I need to take Trey McBride. That's the wrong answer. That goes all the way back to your startup draft. That goes back to what have you been doing in the last 12 months or two years or whatever to address the position? And if the answer is nothing or just I've been waiting because I have this pick to draft Trey McBride, eh, nope, that's not a good, that's not a good pick. For a Dawson Knox or a Mike Gusecki or some yeah. other tight end, even if you got to kick in a little bit, you are screwing yourself if you take Trey McBride. Because you're not that. fixing your lineup potentially for multiple years. It's, it's yes. just really dangerous. One thing I'll say is that if you want to, if you're in a deeper roster, you mentioned taxi squads. That is something where you can absorb the time value a little better because they're not on the active. But I will say this this is a class that I think there's some good stash players. Now, but what you mean is you got to get a deal. This has got to be like late third, fourth round. You take some guys that of intrigue that you like that were drafted on day three, you just stash them away. Pretend they don't exist. They could be injury away. And you might have something later on. And they're on a similar developmental timetable as some of these earlier guys. So that's where there's maybe some value to be had. But your typical, a lot of people listening, 25, 28, 23-man rosters. I mean, there's really not a good utility here for a rookie tight end in general, but as we talk through this class. Yep. And again, just like don't push running backs up the board. Don't push quarterbacks up the board. And the only thing you're left with this year is depth at wide receiver. But all the profiles that are boom bust, to me, if I don't get the 101 or 102, if I don't get Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, I'm out on this draft. I really exactly. don't want a whole lot to do with it. I was going to ask I you guess for I final thoughts. Traylon that's Burks. A, that's a, I do love Drake London and, and Traylon Burks. However... They're not sure things. And at the 103, 104, I mean, neither is Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. Let's face it. There's no such thing as a sure thing. I know that Jordan's so down on Trevor Lawrence. It's like he shouldn't even get up out of the ground. He's been buried, but uh, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Yep. Uh, final thoughts, Katie? Was that it? No sure thing. Yeah, that, yeah that's pretty much it. Just have fun with your drafts. Try to make the best trades that you can. If you can't make a trade, take best player available, regardless of position. You need good players. And just, again, have fun. Yep. It's rookie season. Exactly. It's rookie season, baby. That means it is May and a lot of our drafts occur. And I will say, number one, use your clock. If you are going to explore trading up, trading down, trading out, you have all those options at your disposal with every single pick. It doesn't mean you have to send 30 offers every single time you're on the clock, but assess who would I take and then who would I trade that player or that pick for? 
That may not be who the person uh, selects if you trade with them, but just know to enjoy the process. A lot of these drafts are two to four rounds, and it's going to be over in a matter of a couple of days. So just enjoy that because in June, early July, there's going to be nothing going on. So that means this is the pinnacle moment where everyone kind of dials in in your league. Everyone's going to be relatively accessible for trade offers and discussion, a league chat, whatever you have. And so this is a good welcoming back for 2022. So make sure you relish that, enjoy it. Um, And it's going to be hopefully an active time if that includes trades. But for your own personal war room, make sure you're assessing your options. Uh, I always think back to some of my uh, maybe most savvy trades were ones where I didn't necessarily know uh, where things were going to lead. I tried to trade you know, a pick for certain players. And then I ended up having to get creative, maybe looking at other positions or other profiles, but still liking the deal I made. But you have to get creative sometimes. So don't just explore one avenue with one team or someone sends you an offer so you counter back. You have the whole league at your disposal and you have the clock. So I would say, don't let people pressure you if you're being active. Now, if you know you want to pick, you should probably just make the pick. If you know you're going to pick, you know you're going to pick a player, Just you can do that. But I would say enjoy this process as it's a pinnacle moment on your league calendar. And if you're in three leagues, five leagues, 20 leagues, they are all special events for your dynasty team building. So if you got questions for Katie Flower, you got comments uh, about, about team building, about your draft, you can find her on Twitter between episodes at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder, if you still actually want a copy of the draft guide, UTH post-draft edition, you can find that by signing up at patreon.com slash UTH. You get a free copy in addition to joining the VIP chat, a thriving discussion uh, location for a bunch of dynasty owner diehards out there. And as always, I just mentioned, I put out uh, just today, uh, four shows of quarterback wide receiver, running back, and tight end for the 2022 class to navigate your rookie draft as best you can at each position. Those are available as premium subscribers, general manager subscribers over uthdynasty.com. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.